it's really hard to ask the right questions to understand problems when it comes to racism. And oftentimes it's difficult for a student or a staff member to speak honestly to, let's say, a head teacher about what they're experiencing. And it can be really helpful having a third party to actually ask those questions. I'm Daryl Coker, co-founder of Flare, and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G-U-double-T. Hi everyone, Maria here, and welcome to season one of Gut Talks, double G-U-double-T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design and gut feelings. Before we get started, make sure you visit our website gut.com wguwt.com and subscribe or click on the link in the blurb to make suggestions or ask questions. It won't take longer than a minute and help this podcast grow. And if you like the content provided, show some love with some reviews and ratings. Now let's get started. Our guest today is Daryl Coker, co-founder and head of product at Flare Impact, previously Flare Football focused on giving people a voice on the world's most important issues, starting with racial equality. After working on building a football social media platform for youngsters to track their performance back in 2018, he and his team embarked on pivoting their startup and rebrand in the middle, if we can still call it the middle, of the pandemic to create a product serving current communities, needs and demands. We will deep dive into how the pandemic presented many constraints, but also a new opportunity. Daryl, hi. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you. It's a real pleasure to have you here. And I think you have an interesting story to share. Yeah, so growing up, I've always been a massive fan of football and I've played football throughout my childhood. And something that dawned on me and my cousin, Nee was that when we looked back at our childhoods, we didn't really have a record of the footballing lives that we had had. So we had no storage of our videos or any of the matches that were a really big part of our lives. And we felt that was such a shame because when you're a child, that's something that's so important to your upbringing. And we wanted to build a community where every young football player could feel like they were a pro and give them a place to share their achievements share their performances and connect with other footballers and that was kind of the premise behind the app and fast forward we then launched in the uk and ireland app stores uh, we grew our community to just around twenty-five thousand users and we learned a lot along the way in building that community so it, it basically comes from a personal story so yeah. if i missed anything in the introduction please expand more about yourself yeah, well, you summarized pretty well, but yeah, I'm Daryl. I'm 26 now. Wow, time flies. And yeah, I studied Warwick University and straight afterwards, I actually started on the entrepreneurial path. So this has been something that I've been working on now for a few years. And yeah, now, as I mentioned, football is a big passion of mine. Business is another huge passion. And I guess now what I'm trying to do is just focus on my business um, along with the team that I work with to really build something really big in the world. Cool. And how was the response of the market and what did you learn from Flair Football initially? Yeah, so the response was good overall, I'd say. I guess I'd split things up into 
our user base and then the rest of the community. So as I mentioned, we built a user base of around 25,000 young football players in the UK and Ireland, and they were really engaged with the app. They would use it every week to track their stats and talk about their football matches. And outside of that, we built a really great community of investors, advisors, and also just a lot of friends and family as well who have really supported along the way. And they were really supportive as well of, of what we were doing. I guess across the last few years, we've had a few challenges. And this year in particular, things were kind of put to a grinding halt. And that really made us reflect on how we can take the learnings that we had from building Flair. I guess some of the key things were that we really learned how to build a team and to work together effectively. So we were a team of six working together and we really learned to understand how to actually prioritize, how to make good decisions and how to basically focus on what was most important when building the app. And that's something that we've kind of taken through to our next business. Okay. And then came COVID, as you mentioned, this year was tough. What were the hurdles and what was the trigger that made you pivot? Yeah, good question. So a couple of really big hurdles. The first was that our app is all around people playing football and overnight football was literally cancelled and the usage of the app just absolutely fell off a cliff pretty much straight away. And we had to find a way to basically engage our user base and keep going as a business. The second big challenge was that we were right in the middle of a fundraising round. So we're raising investment from private investors, having meetings, several meetings scheduled uh, within that month, in fact. And as soon as COVID hit, as you'd expect, a lot of investors became quite nervous about the climate and investment also dried up. So we were basically in a position where nobody was using our app and we were running out of money and effectively we needed to find a way of, of surviving as a company. That was the moment when we started to think, what else could we do? Then fast forward a few months, George Floyd was killed, sadly. And it was around that time then my cousin and I were thinking, how can we do something about what's happening in the world when it comes to racial equality? Because we were two black founders who were building a business and we felt as if we had the skills that could actually help with some of the issues. So that was the point when we thought, let's pivot the direction of the company entirely. Let's shut down the app and let's try and focus on essentially building a company that helps to tackle some of the issues when it comes to racial equality. Okay. So it's like you could give an example or, you know, lead in that sense, because you kind of can relate to it, but you're also people who can relate to you, even if you didn't or have any sort of issues, but you can talk about it and you're in a good position to talk about it. Um, before I jump into that, I want to ask you, because we, we mentioned the pivot and you said, you know, everything that's been happening around COVID and George Floyd and all of that kind of triggered your decision. Did you follow your gut feeling in going ahead and making this decision? I guess we're just into this uh, moment <laughs> to talk about gut feelings and how, how did that um, affect you? Yeah, massively. We were in a place where we had so many different choices of what to do. And I guess the first few weeks were really stressful because it was basically panicking. Everything was kind of shutting down. And we really had to trust in, in our gut to figure out what is the right path. Of course, we just speak to people within our network. So we consulted with friends, our investors, our community, 
And that was an important part of, of making the decisions that we did make. But ultimately, we didn't know what the world was going to look like. We had to make a bet on several things. So for example, we made the bet that football wasn't going to return within the coming months. And it turns out that that was the case. And even now, football returned within the youth landscape, but very quickly it was then closed down again. So that was an example of us having to use our gut to figure out, do we think we can build a business within the football industry? Or do we think that it's going to be too unstable over the next few months? And we had to make a decision on that without knowing. And there were loads of other cases like that where we had to really make choices without having enough information. But ultimately, sometimes, especially in business, you need to act fast in order to, to make progress and you can't have all the data all the time. So we just felt we had to make the best decision with the information we had at hand. Okay. And what is Flare Impact? Just to put things into perspective for the listeners. Yeah, so we're effectively a people analytics tool that organizations use to understand, track and address racial biases. So it's a survey product that helps you to properly understand any racial biases and racial issues within an organization. So for example, understanding levels of racial awareness. So do your employees know how to identify racism and how to actually challenge racism in the workplace? understanding levels of racist behavior. So are there microaggressions taking place? Is there a culture of racism within the organization? And then ultimately we present the data in a dynamic dashboard and we then benchmark your performance against other organizations in the industry. And we also give a set of recommendations on how to improve based on the survey results. Okay, so it sounds like you're kind of on a mission to support organizations and schools and like the audience is quite wide. Are you targeting a specific audience right now? And how's the response been so yeah, far? Good, good question. So we began with schools because we basically felt that when it comes to racial equality, you need to start at youth level because that's when people are first experiencing racial issues. And that's where a lot of the interventions need to be made. So we began in September speaking to especially private schools within the UK, basically pitching them the product, uh, hearing their feedback. And within the space of around 12 weeks, we managed to sign up our first 32 clients within the school market. So there's been a really great uptake from schools looking to do the work that we're doing. Now we're in a position where we're transitioning, not just within the school market, but also into the corporate space. So we're currently in the process of building a very similar product to the school market, but within the corporate world. And we're actually very close to launching that product and looking for our first few clients to actually roll that product out to. But so far, the uptake's been really positive. I think one thing about this year is that race and ethnicity issues are really high on the agenda. So in terms of timing, we really think that there's no better timing for what we're building than right now. And we want to make the most of the momentum that we've seen over the past few months. Yeah, I have plenty of questions for you, so I don't know where I'm going to start. So actually, you acted quite fast from the moment you made this decision up until it took you 12 weeks to sign your 32 first customers. Um, what was the process? Because you're, you're head of product. So what was your process in building this product in short time, actually? Yeah, really good question. So we actually used the same process that we have used the entire time, even when building the app. 
And it's basically three steps. So first is understanding the problems. Second is working out how to measure progress. And thirdly, actually coming up with solutions. So the first step was around what are the problems when it comes to racial issues? Because we saw a lot of talk in the news. We saw a lot of letters being sent to schools and we wanted to understand what are the problems here. So what we did was we went through all of the feedback that we had seen from students, from staff, to really understand what the issues were when it came to racism within schools. And that's where we identified our four key performance areas. So racial diversity, racial inclusion, racial awareness, and racist behavior. Then the next step was to figure out how do you actually measure these things? So we did a lot of research to figure out how you actually measure them, working with people in the psychology space and also just reading around the DNI literature to come up with scoring for each of these four performance areas. And then the next step was around solutionizing. So figuring out how we could actually display these bits of information to a school. That was all about coming up with mock-ups for the dashboard, finding a software that allowed us to basically have a client log in and be able to access all their data. And that process was basically done over the first, I guess, few weeks of the business. And then after that, in terms of the sales process, we at the beginning really didn't know anyone within the school industry. So we just started cold emailing, cold calling, trying to get some interest. And then after a while, when a few schools had signed up, it became a lot easier to then get other schools on board. Um, so yeah, now it's really starting to to gather some momentum. Yeah, it's called Flare Impact. And, you know, you're trying to make an impact on the schools for, you know, community life, but also as an individual for the future of the kids, but also within right now with organizations. Um, why are schools signing up? And what's the response of the students as well? Because racism is big. So it started right now, in your case, with Black Lives Matter, but it can be anything because in a certain way, we're all racist somehow uh, for different reasons. Like, mm -hmm. you know, even if we talk about football fans or even in the past and hooligans, and if you like this team or support this team, I wouldn't talk to you or things like that. So it, it goes beyond, I think you have quite of a challenge to try to change mentalities and mindsets mm -hmm. that goes beyond that. So why are schools signing up for that? And what's the student response? And what do you expect from the organizations as single employees as well beyond the organization itself? Yeah, really, really good question. So the first point around why schools are signing up, the first main reason is that it's really hard to ask the right questions to understand problems when it comes to racism. And oftentimes it's difficult for a student or a staff member to speak honestly to, let's say, a head teacher about what they're experiencing. And it can be really helpful having a third party to actually ask those questions. I guess another reason is that because of our own lived experiences of, of racial issues within school, we know how to ask the right questions in the right way. So that means that the survey that we provide goes into a lot of depth to really help the school understand what are the issues that we have when it comes to racism. Because I think ultimately most schools have now realized that sometimes things are happening under their nose and they're not quite aware of what's really going on. So this gives them that really clear sense of this is what's happening. Another reason is because of the fact that we're working with many schools, it means that we can show how schools' performance compare to each other. And that can actually be really important to know how well you're doing, because 
it might be the case that your score for racist behavior is let's say a seven out of 10, but without having the context of how other schools are performing, it's hard to know whether that's a good score or a bad score. So that's been another really powerful reason why schools are working with us. And I guess the third reason is around the recommendations. So we've done a lot of research into what are the solutions to such a really challenging problem. And we give those recommendations to schools in a really clear and concise way. So I think they really appreciate that guidance of being told, here's the data and here's what you can actually do with it to make action. Then in terms of what's been the response of the students and also the eventual response of employees when we work in the corporate space. I think generally speaking, it's been real gratefulness that they've had the opportunity to properly express their experiences and properly talk through their views. Because oftentimes people are quite nervous to talk about racism and people don't tend to really open up about it unless they're given this type of setting where they can feel they can be themselves, they can speak out. So the survey that we've produced has given them that chance to really lay their cards down on the table and talk honestly. And when we look at some of the feedback from, from the people who take the survey, you can definitely tell that they're really being honest about some of the things that they're experiencing, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but ultimately they're having the chance to actually voice their opinions. And that is the most important thing for any organization to actually get the true information from their employees and, and students. Yeah, that's an interesting subject, actually, because people kind of feel safe, as you're saying, to share what's on their mind and in their hearts. But also there's lots of learning and you will learn so much from them to tackle those you know, issues. I have another question with regards to the team, because obviously you mm -hmm. pivoted and moved from something completely different, you know, a community about football and tracking performance to you know, in, in the concept, it can be, you can relate to both of them, but it has a different mission and a greater impact in a different way. How is it to grow a team and retain people who believe in what you're doing and in your shift as well? I'd say on this, we're so, so blessed with the team that we have. And I think the most important thing from the get-go was that they understood how difficult a time this was. And they were really patient while we spent trying, basically trying to work out what on earth do we do here? So that was the first thing is that they really gave us time to figure things out. And we're very fortunate that everyone who joined the team for Flair Football was very mission driven in their nature. So they wanted to build a community where every young football player could feel like a pro. And in a very similar vein, the business we're building now is even more mission-driven around basically promoting racial equality. So for them, it was just an extension of being part of something that was part of a bigger mission, which is probably part of the reason why they really were motivated to stay and to really be involved in this new part of the journey. And I guess a big part in convincing everyone to come on board was to really lay out the plans for them, even though we didn't have all the information on what we'd build, just to talk them through step by step. These are the things that we're thinking of doing so that they felt involved in the pivot and they actually felt involved in the change of direction of the company. And ultimately it came to a point where we had to make the call, we're shutting down the app, we're going this direction. And we just asked everyone in one-to-one -one conversations, do you wanna come on board? And yeah, they all basically jumped at the opportunity. So that was great to see. 
Okay, that's nice because I guess uh, the most important thing in a company is the team you have around you because you work together almost like every day. And beyond the founders, it's the team. It's like a big marriage because when you're building something, creating it from scratch, if you have a team that's supportive, it's a blessing because yeah. you now you can move forward, especially that this leads me to my next question. I guess you're still in the process of figuring out who, where this is going to, or you kind of have an idea you would like to share. Yeah, good question. Uh, so I guess one thing to say is that things evolve every few weeks, which isn't surprising because things are relatively new, but we're definitely in 2021 trying to roll this out to more industries. It's great to start within the education space because, as I mentioned before, a lot of the interventions and a lot of the focus needs to start at the youth level. But we've been getting demand from a range of different industries. And the focus now is how do we get this into the hands of business leaders to start with, most likely within the UK, but over time we're looking to expand. And that is basically the focus of trying to find industries where they have a similar dynamic where they want to understand racial biases and they want to tackle some of these issues. And what we've seen so far is that there's a big choice of industries to pick because a lot of industries are, are really trying to address some of these issues right now. So the challenge for us will be picking which industries to start with and then eventually rolling out to other industries. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that expanding to other countries, that's one of, but obviously focusing on one country initially to get it right mm. and then moving on makes sense. So beyond the team, let's talk about the extended team in a certain way. You did fundraising or crowdfunding campaigns, right? And you had yeah. investors as well. How was it for them, like this entire transformation? Yeah, again, I think it's been a real journey because everyone invested in the team, but they also invested in Flair Football. And part of this whole entire journey was explaining to everyone what was going on. And we're very lucky in that our investors have been really, really supportive and understanding of how challenging things have been for businesses this year. And they were really supportive in terms of giving their advice. But as you mentioned, they also were supportive for the crowdfund that we did um, around the middle of this year. So when the pandemic hit, we realized that it was going to be difficult to actually continue raising investment. And our idea at the time was to basically run a GoFundMe campaign where for 30 days, our aim was to raise as much money as we could to help keep the business alive. And our investors were a really critical part of giving us some of that early funding. In the end, we managed to raise £26,000 from that campaign, just from donations from investors, friends, family. And not only did that give us extra life in the business, but it gave us the confidence that people were really behind us and rooting for us as a team. So that when we got around to actually pivoting the company, we knew that whether or not it was a football app or something different, people wanted us to do well. And that really gave us the motivation to have confidence making the decision to switch. Yeah, you tapped into something quite interesting. People invest in people, not mm -hmm. just in, in ideas. That's one of the main things. And, you know, you could have maybe shut down the company and started over again, mm -hmm. and you didn't do that. So this mm -hmm. proves even more that, you know, they invested in the right people because they're not going to let them down no matter what. And yeah, this is great credibility for the future as well. And for other investors and for other businesses, you know, you might end up doing. Exactly. And one thing as well, it was obviously and still is a, a really tough journey. 
you know, for everyone with the pandemic, all businesses, but in your case, like it was an overnight switch where no one was using the Flair football app anymore because they just couldn't. So it must have been mentally draining and emotionally really tough and challenging. What's your take on that? Because I'm sure some other founders are going through this as well. What do you have to say on that one? Really good question. It's been a tough year for sure. We're really lucky. Uh, I'm running this business with my co-founder, Nee, who's also my cousin. And I don't know how either of us could have really got through things without each other. So that's the first thing to say is that running a business with a co-founder can be so important in times that are tough because you learn how to basically get through things together. And there might be one day where one of you's down, but the other person will pick you up. So that was a huge thing. And also just the support of friends, family, everyone within our network was really, really crucial to us. It kept us going even when things were difficult. And part of it as well was just that it was kind of a flight or fight moment where because things were really, really tough, it forced us to have really sharp and focused and it forced us to really think through we're in a desperate situation here. We need to get out of this. And sometimes it can make you make even better decisions than you usually would. I guess in that sense, the pressure really made us rise to the occasion. Um, and that was the same for, for all the team members is that we really just thought, you know what, the odds are against us, but we're going to get out of the situation. And of course, there's a long way to go. We have a huge number of obstacles still ahead, but I think that mindset in the early days is the reason why we're still in business today. Yeah, I like the attitude because it's not everyone can do it, basically. It's difficult. And in that case, it's not just you. You had a team around as well, still have. Yeah. So that's a great story and inspiring one as well, you know, but you kind of found your, your voice in that sense because you're trying to make a wider impact. If it wasn't mm -hmm. for COVID, maybe yeah. this would have been born. You know, that's the way I'm saying it. But mm. in a sense, I'm also trying to always see the, the positives or the opportunities we might get ahead yeah. or getting every day because of this yeah. pandemic. And we you discovered to, so to. many things. Yeah, you, you just have to do that because at the end of the day, businesses are basically solutions to problems. And there's been no year where there have been more problems that have been arising, at least that I can remember in my lifetime. And I think at times like this, you need to be thinking, here are all these issues arising, but how can we actually turn this into an opportunity? For example, when George Floyd died, the whole entire world, the black community was mourning, and that was a really tough time, but there was a huge problem in the world that we then thought, here's a solution that we can provide that's gonna provide value to businesses and organizations across the globe. So that again is an example of when there's a problem, you need to find solutions. And I think in a pandemic, the mindset that people, it's important to have is, yes, times are tough, but what are the opportunities that are presenting themselves? It could be an opportunity related to business, an opportunity related to personal life. Oftentimes there are some opportunities that are arising. It might even be things like getting fitter and spending time doing home workouts because you have more time at home. There are so many different opportunities that can come out of a time like this. And I think the mindset it's important to have like a, a positive mindset to make the most of, of life, essentially. Yeah, I'll keep this as, as a closure. <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. Um, it was a real, real pleasure to have you. It's, um, I guess, an inspiring story and, and a story to keep 
others who can relate to it going, but also a way to show, you know, how you can make a bet and just go for it. Just follow your gut in a certain way, follow the political landscape or the economic landscape. You know, acting fast is something very important because otherwise you can miss the boat. Ask the right questions all the time. Know your audience and ask the right questions. Be able to relate to a problem and communicate it in a way that is accessible to everyone. And one of the most important things for me you kind of shared is be humble, be you, be trustworthy. And this is how things will keep going for you because, you know, shifting from something completely different and having people who trust you and like what you're doing. This is one of the key elements to keep growing as a person and as a business. So thank you for sharing this today. And I have a question. If people want to find out more about what you're doing, about you, uh, about your social media handles, websites, can you just share this? With yeah, them? sure. Yeah. So on LinkedIn is probably the best place. So we are Flair, so F-L-A-I-R. And my personal LinkedIn, uh, just my name, so Daryl Coker, D-A-R-R-E-L-L-C-O-K-E-R. That's the main social platform that I've been using. Right, cool. Any books you recommend? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of podcasts myself. And Guy Raz has a podcast called How I Built This, which is incredibly inspirational about different founders and people who have built movements. And it follows their stories and the difficulties they've had. And he's come out with a book recently. It's probably in all bookstores. It's on Audible as well. It's not too long to read. So yeah, I definitely recommend giving that a listen or a read. Thank you so much for that, Daryl. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. There are many podcasts out there. So thank you for taking the time to tuning in to Gut Talks. Make sure you check the link in the blurb. Get in touch. It would be great to know who you are, where you are, and what you would like more of. This episode with Daryl Coker is over. We spoke about product development, pivoting, communities, racism, and more. Thanks again for listening. You were listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matlou. Thank you for joining us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast to listen to a new episode each week. If you enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review Gut Talks. If you'd like to ask a question, head over to gut.com, double G, U, double T, dot com and ask away. And don't forget to enroll in the free crash course on mastering working sessions with post-its. Thanks for listening and see you next time.